Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Are you looking for ways to step it up when it comes to your own personal development? Or could you use a few ideas to pass along to your team so they could develop themselves? Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook on personal development, navigating your way to prosperity in life, business, and sales. In it, you'll discover how to jumpstart your personal development, how to create an action plan, and how behavioral assessments can help you improve. Be sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 236. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and as you might be able to tell by my voice today, I am on the tail end of a cold, so I'm going to sound a little bit uh, scratchier than usual, but hopefully my voice will come through loud and clear. Um, I am really excited about today's guest. I'm speaking to the president of Unstoppable Women in Sales, which is an organization that coaches women sales professionals to reach the top 1% in their industry. She's also a managing partner at Beyond ROI Incorporated, which is a third-party partner that measures the effectiveness of sales training. Um, That's something that I know we at Criteria for Success are really passionate about for our clients, and we know a lot of people care about. Um, And she's also the former chapter chair of the Raleigh-Durham chapter, or actually the former chapter president of the Raleigh-Durham chapter of the National Association of Women Sales Professionals. So she's very much in our space. As just kind of an interesting fact, I grew up right on uh, one of the Great Lakes, Lake Superior, and she grew up right on one of the Great Lakes um, in Buffalo. So uh, we are kind of fellow lake people, um, I suppose. But she, (laughs) instead of moving to Chile, New York, she moved to Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina. I am a little bit envious. Anyway, long, long, long intro. But Susan Trumpler, we are so glad to have you. Welcome to the show. Elizabeth, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so much fun. You know, here's something kind of funny regarding our backgrounds. When I'm out speaking, it is so funny because sometimes the you guys um, Mm -hmm. thing comes through Midwest, right? And then sometimes it's the y'all, y'all, all all (laughs) y'all. And people come up to me after I'm speaking and they're like, where are you from? (laughs) So you can take a girl out of Western New York, but you can't take the Western New York out of the girl. That's for sure. Indeed. Yeah. I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And I, I'll say I don't have the strong accent that even my brother has, mm-hmm. but there are definitely things that I say that people are like, are you Canadian? Or yeah, I get Minnesota <laughs> a lot. People don't realize that the Upper Peninsula is even actually part of Michigan, which um, for any youpers <laughs> that are listening, I'm sorry, people in New York think that we're part of like Wisconsin or Minnesota very frustrating. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you, Susan, for joining us today. I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation. I obviously just shared some of the big picture highlights uh, on your bio, but I'd love if you could introduce yourself to our listeners, maybe talk about um, how you got to where you are today and mm-hmm. where you've developed the passion for what it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. And I really appreciate you sharing my accomplishments because it has been something that's taken me a lifetime to achieve. And, 
You know what? I think, Elizabeth, the way that I would say it is, it is my passion for understanding human behavior Mm -hmm. that has kind of driven me through my career. I just find people so interesting. And I almost feel like salespeople are our own breed of (laughs) interest. (laughs) You know, we're very competitive, we're driven. I mean, we've got all these really cool behaviors. But, you know, over the last eight years or so, since I've been the um, owner of Beyond ROI, my job has been to study, I mean, deeply study uh, the behaviors of sales professionals. And it, it comes in the f- um, flavor of sales training. You know, they, they show up, they learn something new, new behaviors. They, and then these are behaviors that are proven, you know, from world-class companies that they work, mm-hmm. right? And yet some people who show up adopt the behaviors and go on to use them and we can correlate their success and financial impact to the uptake of the behaviors other people leave them behind. Yeah. And it is so interesting that we all have the opportunity to make a shift in a behavior and yet some of us can't do it. And so that was what really drove me to what I'm doing today with the Unstoppable Women in Sales because I really want to know like I th- I think women um, are uniquely positioned to be good in sales. You know, we we are very especially consultative type selling, mm-hmm. right? We're really good listeners. We um, we like to make things about other people. So there's some things that we do well, but then there's other things that hold us back. Um, maybe maybe the perception that we shouldn't be too competitive. It's not ladylike, you know, to boast or to to be aggressive. Um, different things like that. So I just I just have so found it interesting to study sales professionals, to see the differences between the the woman sales professional and the men sales professional, and then be able to have, you know, the opportunity to be able to help people kind of get over themselves and just do what it takes, you know, get the mindset in place to do what it takes to be successful. Absolutely. Those, um, I, I love that passion that you've identified for just understanding people and how it is that we work and why it is that we do what we do. And I think, yeah. um, I love curious people because I'm a curious person. And I think mm-hmm. any any major discovery, any major growth tends to sp- start with curiosity and um, to be curious about people and and especially the the unique creatures that are salespeople <laughs> um, is, a, is a really interesting and rich field of study where I think you could spend an entire career just trying to figure out how mm-hmm. to make um, make salespeople tick. So I love it. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. And you know what it comes down to um, is that no matter who we are in sales, we all have one thing in common. We all have a brain in our head. <laughs> but but here's the thing that I, I've been able to determine is that everyone's brain has certain dominant ways of processing information. All right. So I call it in, in some of the study and the work that I do, it's called whole brain thinking. Mm-hmm. And so you have this you know, propensity of how you uh, accept information and how you process it. And it, we call it the dominant part of your brain that you use. And I'm sure, Elizabeth, you're probably familiar with with like left brain, right brain type Absolutely. Um, studies, right? So everybody's familiar with, with that pretty much. But it goes a little bit deeper than that. And there's actually four quadrants in your brain that you think with. And so here's how, here's how I've come to understand how sometimes people can be more successful than others when it comes to 
how they communicate and influence because isn't that what sales is all about? Like literally we influence people every day. And so the more you can connect yourself to the way someone else processes information, the closer you become to being able to influence them in any type of a decision that they need to make. I'll give you an example. So let's say, Mm -hmm. let's say I'm, I'm a salesperson. Okay. And not everybody, but a majority of salespeople are right-brained people. They tend to be uh, human. You know, they, the lower right brain is about people who connect with humans well and really, you know, enjoy the collaboration and, and being with people, um, helping people. Mm-hmm. But it's also on the upper left-hand brain, it's someone who thinks in possibilities and gets excited about ideas and wanting to change things. And so you've got this salesperson who's over on the right-hand side and they're, you know, they're out there evangelizing for their solutions and wanting to connect with people. But they're trying to connect with, let's say, a CEO who has a left-brain propensity. They're about facts hard, cold facts. They're about specific processes. And again, I'm generalizing, but for the majority of, you know, that, that profession, you tend to be more that type of a person. Well, it's interesting. So the seller goes in to have a great conversation with a CEO. CEO says to him or her, okay, what's, what are you here for? What do you want? What do you do? Tell me the facts, right? salesperson starts waxing and waning about all these possibilities and painting this this picture and telling stories and getting really you know like let's connect and let's and the it's shutting the ceo down you know so that's just an example of how being aware of who you're communicating with and what their style is and how you need to adjust and communicate you know in a way that they can relate to you is so important um and these are things that are done at a almost like a subliminal level sometimes before right so sometimes people are really good at doing this and other times they're just not but it'll hold them back from using their new skills and being successful because because they're just not connecting with the person that they're with. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. You know, we um, we use DISC, yeah. and it's it's not exactly the same, but it does have some similar um, principles to this. And you know, the two types that I would say kind of map to what you've been mm-hmm. describing are um, somebody with high expressions of influence um, would be that kind of very people oriented thinking in possibilities, um, thinking of, of ideas and, and getting really excited to maybe start with a blank piece of paper and create something, build something together um, versus that maybe highly conscientious or even highly dominant um, uh, personality that's really just give me the facts, mm-hmm. give me the information. I would like to see the spec sheet. I would like to understand what the implementation might look like. Um, I don't want to <laughs> sit here and, and kind of bre- dream or brainstorm with you. Right. Um, and so really understanding just the, the different people. And it's not that one is better than the other. It's just understanding that your communication with somebody may be your, your natural style might um, in, uh, prohibit a successful conversation that it might actually cause a barrier between you and your prospect. That's exactly it. And so, you know, it's so funny because I've been in sales a long time, Elizabeth, I don't know how about you, but you know, there was just a time when it was just 
um, it was a, a matter of numbers, right? In activity, you make, you do these, these processes and you're going to make success. You'll be successful if you do enough of them, but things have changed so much now with with clients that are able or prospects that are able to get access to information they don't need to talk to you Mm -hmm. they don't really even want to talk to you so uh, right so unless you are able to connect with that person and be able to right out of the gate read them um and then use what you know about them to make certain that you're adjusting your style. You haven't got a prayer. And, and I think that's what takes our behaviors to the next level, right? It used to be skills. Oh, I remember when it was just know your features and functionality, right? And then it was like, oh, no, wait a second. You've got to really be able to be more consultative. And there's skills along that pathway. That's like table stakes now. If That's it. If you can do only that, then you're kind of just one of many. But if you can elevate yourself to more of understanding a deeper level of your buyer and even yourself, I, I think that your success can be unlimited, completely unlimited. Absolutely. I actually just had a conversation um, a few weeks ago on the podcast with somebody and her whole premise is um, ro- basically bot proofing your, oh yourself, making sure that you are able to um, basically beat the the bots. Are you providing more valuable information than somebody could get through um, their own research or through you know the information that they're going to find on your website or through um, you know the the just the information that's that's available um, in the marketplace. It's actually um, the episode's going to be airing after this one. So uh, everybody keep an ear out for um, the conversation that I have with uh, Anita Nielsen. Um, Her book is called Beat the Bots, How Your Humanity Can Future-Proof Your Tech Sales Career. Um, So I love that you have a similar thread, Susan, because it, it is so important. You know, sales for for so many years you had to work with a salesperson to get just about anything in life um it's it's funny i'm i'm actually turning 37 this weekend so i'm i'm not as old as some of our listeners not as young as as most of my team and i feel ancient a lot but when i was a kid we we literally had people come to the door selling things to um (laughs) To my family, I know my parents bought a vacuum cleaner from somebody who was literally selling them door to door in the Upper Peninsula oh of Michigan. Gosh. And this it's not the dark ages that people were doing that. Um, when I first started, I've been at Criteria for Success for uh, a little over 12 years. And when I first started, it was still very possible for people to sell where they would get into an office building and they would go up the elevator and just, you know, stop on every floor and knock on doors or, um, you know, pharmaceutical sales reps and medical device sales reps could go into hospitals and provide samples to doctors and nurses. Things have Mm -hmm. changed. And to understand just there are actual, there are entire sales roles that just don't exist anymore because they don't need to. But then the way everybody buys has changed and they're coming to you more educated. They're coming to you. um, Maybe they just want to place the order. Maybe they just want to see a demo or they want to get a sample. And if you don't understand that as the salesperson, um, if you don't understand that as a sales leader, uh, you know, structuring your sales organization, you might be providing barriers. Um, You might be making it more difficult and more complicated for people to buy because you think that sales needs to do all this heavy lifting that the buyers are actually doing on their own. 
That's right. They they don't need you for information anymore. They need you. Um, they need to, I know this sounds so trite, but to trust you that you are going to lead them in the right direction when they have to make a decision. And the only way you can do that is when you are able to win the trust of them. It's so funny, Elizabeth. I remember it's, it sounds so, it, it's just so old to say, oh, people buy from people they like and trust. You know, it's like, it's still true, you know, and more Absolutely. now today than ever, because information is a dime a dozen. But when it comes down to making a decision with their business, that's going to impact or influence their outcomes and their success, they still want to know that they've got someone who they can really partner with um, to make certain they're going to be successful. So your, your job as a seller is, is, is really important, but so changed. Um, and it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard, especially if you've been in sales a long time, you, it's harder to make the shift than someone coming into sales today, not knowing what it used to be like, I think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we kind of uh, went in a, in a little different order than we had planned. You guys, uh, might it, listeners might be surprised that I tend to actually write up the questions <laughs> in advance. Uh, it just doesn't always, you know, we don't follow the map. But um, I think we led into what we were going to be talking about next. Because right now what you're doing with Unstoppable Women in mm -hmm. Sales, you're coaching women sales professionals to be at the top of their game based on this principle of whole brain yes. thinking. And from what I understand... Um, your, your key focus is on helping people learn how to manage their minds to be successful. So can you explain what that means to our I listeners? I can so happily because I believe this is the difference between someone who can be somewhat successful and someone who can not only be amazingly success, successful, but live a balanced life, right? So we all know people who are doing extraordinarily well, but they're working 90 hours a week and they're, you know, frazzled and stressed and they're on their phone. And, you know, it's like their, their profession owns their life. And so I work with women mm -hmm. sales professionals who, and here's where it comes into play. Um, if you can manage your mind, you can achieve anything that you set your sights on. But if you don't manage your mind, it will crash you. It, it will, you, the stress of what you're trying to achieve will overcome you and you'll never be able to get there. The, the, here's, here's what I know beyond anything else is when we're in school, people teach us a lot of um, education, a lot of information and data. And, and then it's up to us to go out there and apply it. Nobody teaches us how mm -hmm. to manage our thinking. As a matter of fact, it's almost worse than that. We are told Okay, so let's just start with the premise that thoughts that you think over and over again become beliefs, right? Our beliefs come from listening to things like, you know, the only way you can be successful is if you do this. If the only way you can be successful is if you do that. And so we start to believe that and without questioning it, we become almost like the, um, the victim of our own thinking. So what I do is help people understand that you can actually question every thought or belief that you have in your mind to test for the validity of it in the real world, in the modern world we're in today. Because a lot of beliefs come from way back when, when you were knocking on doors or, you know, using sales methods. So, you know, it's, it's managing your mind is about questioning 
areas that you've always been told to be true that you know now are not working for you. They're not helping you get get where you want to go. So we do this and I have a, it's called the, your ultimate sales potential blueprint. And there's different pillars within the blueprint. But one of the pillars that I think is so interesting to dive in to Elizabeth, when it comes to mm-hmm. um, money and the way people think about money, um, because we, we all, I mean, everybody has almost like a, I'll call it a container that they think they're earning potential lives in, right? So, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, and there's been studies that have told, have been done around this, that whatever you made within the last few years, your mind believes or your beliefs are that that is your container. And you might stretch it just a little bit, you know, maybe 20, 30, 40%, right? But did you ever stop to think that you could double or triple your earnings if you want? Mm. And you can, anyone can, but people will right now, if they're listening, they're saying, oh, she's crazy. No, I I know people who have have 10 times their earnings when they started inspecting their beliefs about what their earning potential is and how they can get there. It's huge. Absolutely. Um, We talk a lot about what we call head cash which is the self-limiting beliefs that are preventing you from becoming successful. And that can be small self-limiting beliefs just in a conversation. Oh, this person doesn't seem to like me. Oh, oh I think I'm, I'm too expensive. Oh, I think, um, you know, that I, I said that wrong and all the people are going to be thinking about and hearing is, is the mistake that I made. Um, or it can be bigger picture. It can be, you know, I, I always fail. Um, I don't think I'm capable of, of you know, closing this kind of a deal. Um, I've never done something like this before and I never will. And I love that you said, because this is so true, so much of these beliefs are subconscious. They were established early in our lives and we don't recognize that we're acting from behaviors, from beliefs that we internalized mm-hmm. when we were in elementary it school. Uh, or it's even crazy. Younger. You know, it's, it, that, that is the thing that I find so interesting when I'm coaching women sales professionals. To me, this stuff's, and even to them, what we're talking about, they're like, yeah, of course, of course, I knew that, right? But when you start going mm-hmm. under the covers and understanding, well, you knew it, but you're still thinking it. And here is how it's influencing your outcomes. They're blown away. They're like, oh my God, I didn't even realize I was doing it. Like what you just said, if you're walking into a, a prospect's site with a proposal, right? And you don't feel confident. You're thinking, oh, I just, I don't think this is going to happen. I really, I don't think, well, hello. <laughs> What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> you know, you think about your body language. What it's are you going to be, you know, how are you going to stand? What, what's your face right, going to look totally. like? It's, it, it all comes out whether you are consciously recognizing That's it or exactly not. Right. And yet, Elizabeth, and here's the thing, because I know from coaching people enough, they're going, well, I can't be thinking like, lollipots and rainbows and unicorns are kind of dancing, you know, through the door with me. So it's that finding that authentic thought and that authentic belief that you are able to, you know, be successful. And and here's one of the things also, and I, I'm so curious to see if you all deal with this as well. Um, what holds people back more often than not is fear and shame. 
So they're mm-hmm. afraid yes. to look bad. They're afraid they're they're afraid that if they don't get the business, they're going to be ashamed, you know, by their leader or by their, you know, teammates. And so they're not willing to do the things they know are the right things to do because they have that fear holding them back. And again, they don't even realize it until we really dig in and start talking about it. Absolutely. And so often it's not a fear that they can articulate and it's preventing people from sometimes just the most basic common sense behaviors that are going to help them achieve success. You know, I see people who need to make a difficult phone call and they could make that phone call Monday (laughs) morning. And instead of making that phone call Monday morning, they put it off and they make that phone call Friday at 6.30 PM. (laughs) And what they don't realize is that all week, they were acting from a sense of fear. They were acting from that, that nervousness, that stress was hanging over them. They were less successful than they could have been. And they just, you know, just delayed even the procrastinating something. That's generally a sign that you're acting from some level of fear and shame. And if you can address it, um, sometimes it's just literally a 15 minute thing to do. And yet it's going to put you in a different mindset. We, um, for a while in our trainings, uh, and, and sometimes we still do this, but we were challenging people, you know, identify your most difficult task every day and do mm-hmm. it first. And then the rest of the day, you're going to be acting from a sense of confidence, a sense of achievement. And it's it's amazing how just that different mindset changes everything about the way that you approach other situations. You're more optimistic. You see more mm-hmm. possibility because you've seen that things in fact can work yeah, out. And sometimes that's they awesome. Do. You know, um, there's actually neuroscience that backs up the fact that you are more resilient first thing in the morning. So absolutely, whatever is the most challenging, get it into your calendar first thing in the morning and do it. And like you said, it's not that hard. Once you do it, it's not that hard. And you'll feel a sense of accomplishment for having done that. So I want to give your listeners an actual something they can do immediately to do a a gut check on whether or not this is an issue for them. All right. So let's say they're taking our advice and they've got prospecting that they need to do um, and they're going to plug it in first thing Monday morning. Okay. Nine to 11. They've got, first of all, I wouldn't call it prospecting or cold calling. Let's just start there. Uh, How are you going to feel when you see those words in your calendar? Well, dread, right? Maybe change it to something that makes you feel really positive, like creating relationships, finding connections, whatever. You just don't put cold calling in your calendar. All right. That's one little tip. Next, they get to that Monday morning, they walk in, they get their coffee, they sit down in their cubicle, they look at that block of time. And if they don't do it, that's the immediate opportunity to start inspecting what's going on in your mind. What are the thoughts that Uh you're thinking about it? You know, are you saying, oh, nobody wants to talk to me on a Monday morning? Are you thinking, I don't know, you know, looking at a prospect in your count in your, you know, CRM and saying, oh, they hate me. There's no way I'm going to get, or the the (laughs) gatekeeper hates me and they're never going to let me through. Okay. Right there. Stop a minute and think about what is the thought going through your mind and what feeling is that producing for you? And it's usually dread. Nothing good yep. comes from dread, guys. Nothing. You can't take positive action from dread. So how can you start thinking about reaching out and making those connections in a way that creates 
more confidence, like a feeling of confidence and something that propels you into action rather than procrastination. So you've got to, and you've got to find a something authentic. It can't be some, you know, airy fairy thought, but something around, you know, they need what I have. These people need what I have. Some, you know, so it's, it's like, you've just got to really always be alert to what's going on in your mind. And that's why it's, it's, I, I call it managing your mind because you're really like becoming aware and catching yourself so that you can make adjustments and then move from a place of more confidence and, and be, have more success in your results. I love that emphasis that you just made on pausing in the moment mm-hmm. when you're, when you're procrastinating on something, when you've decided not to do something and really thinking about why is it that I'm not doing this? Um, I've often coached people when you set goals for yourself um, at the end of the week, when you're looking back at your at your goals for the week, look at the ones mm-hmm. you didn't do and think about why you didn't do them. Because it it usually isn't that you just procrastinated on the least important things. Usually there was something in there that was actually important, um, but you couldn't bring yourself to do it. Um, you know, that you, 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 subconsciously, unintentionally chose that that was going to be the task that you were going to let slip. And so really unpacking your own behavior, you know, I I feel like I'm a therapist here, but um, it's powerful. So often we, we think that we are just being buffeted along by our days. You know, we think we're being fully reactive and First of all, I will say a lot of people, especially salespeople, are more reactive than they should be. So you probably are being buffeted around mm-hmm. a bit by your day, and you should actually work to um, to be a little more intentional. But regardless of that, in addition to that, um, we can impact our situation and our circumstances. Mm-hmm. We can't just let our circumstances influence us. Um, I'm going to recommend if anybody hasn't listened to it, I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with Dr. Um, Russell Thackeray, and he he studies resilience. And we talked about this and um, letting yourself be driven by your feelings versus making decisions and acting on those decisions. And then your feelings will follow. Excellent. Excellent advice. And one thing I would say to just add to that, um, when you say salespeople are um, reactive, Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you why. And it's all part of the same thing we're talking about here. Um, I think that salespeople are reactive because they're doing things. They'll react to the things that are easier to do. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I call it buffering. So if I have something that's challenging that I need to do, it's high stakes, it's, you know, revenue driven activity, it's important, but I am uncomfortable. It's making me feel uncomfortable. I would much rather pivot and do something easier, even if it's something that's non-revenue driving. So reactive might be, you know, I got a call from, you know, somebody I sold last week and they're having some issues with fulfillment, right? Fulfillment's not my job, but it's so much easier than reaching out and connecting with somebody I don't know. Okay. So just a small example. I also have, I I have, um, it made me laugh. Uh, A seller that I was coaching the other day was like saying, I just, reaching out, 
you know, to prospects, I don't know, hardest thing that I do. I have it in my calendar and all of a sudden I find myself needing to know more. I need more Mm -hmm. about them. (laughs) So, so it's the, you know, it's, it's that, you know, I have to do more research and, and, and you're, you, you come to this endless pit where you still never have enough knowledge or you're not sure how to approach it. And then all of a sudden, oh, too late now. I can't call the clients. You know, I better move on to the next time, you know? So any experienced sales manager (laughs) will remember a time when you had a salesperson who was researching a prospect (laughs) until end of business and somehow never managed to, to contact that prospect. It's, it's funny because like you said, it's stemming from a place of fear, a a place of nervousness, but it's not recognized. And it seems eminently logical. It does. You know, Certainly, you should research your prospect. You shouldn't spend five hours researching a prospect before you pick up the phone and call them, and then they don't even answer the phone, and all that research was put to waste. <laughs> but you know, it's so it's it's human nature that we're fighting here. You know, people mm-hmm. shouldn't feel guilty about it. Um, I've had I've seen wholly capable people in sales leave the profession because of this one issue mm-hmm. that they couldn't overcome the fear of being rejected or you know or being kicked out of the clan it's actually it comes from your old brain um, that is there still in you to keep you safe and make you happy and so anytime you go to do something that's outside of your comfort zone the old brain is saying whoa 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 Elizabeth get back in the cave it's not safe out there are not going to like you. They're, they're going to kick you out of the clan. And so what you're doing is you're fighting your most basic instincts that, that the old brain is shooting at you. So here's another, here's another tidbit for your audience is this, whenever you feel something holding you back, like a fear of doing something, or, you know, you're really procrastinating, step out of the moment because it's your old brain and get into the logic of what, so what happens if, what happens if I do this? What's the worst case scenario? Get your prefrontal cortex moving and processing. Then Uh you start moving from a place of logic as opposed to a place of reaction. And you can, you can definitely overcome what the old brain's shooting at you if you try to um to come from that place of more logical you see your fears if you ever woke up elizabeth have you ever woken up in the middle of the night like where a problem you have seems larger than life like right absolutely and and that's your old brain shooting messages at you even while you're sleeping when you wake up and you sit down your desk you're like Oh my gosh, why was I why was I like so panicked about that? That's it's gonna take me 10 minutes to to clear that up and move on from it. But it's that old brain, you know, protection that's trying to help you that you have to get up into the the neocortex and logic and overcome it. Absolutely. You know, we hear a lot about um, the power of some of those parts of our old brain. You know, people say, um, listen when you're experiencing um, fear, because there might be a situation that you're not consciously um, noticing, but subconsciously. And that is certainly Mm -hmm. important, but our brains were developed for situations that fortunately we are not encountering (laughs) anymore. And you're not likely going to get, you know, chased down by a bear or a buffalo Mm -hmm. or something and, um, you know, and prevented from, um, from, you know, living uh, or prevented from eating. You're not, you're not likely scrambling 
for very limited resources and going to starve to death. Um, and yet your brain was developed four times where there were significant right. resource right. constraints, where there were significant threats to life and limb. <laughs> and when you, when you let your brain catastrophize to that level, like you said, just ask yourself, what's the worst that could happen? The person could say, I, please never right. call me again. The person could actually even maybe swear at you on the phone and say, you're obnoxious and I don't like you. Does that actually hurt you? You know, it's not fun. Certainly words do hurt, but it's not like they're going to track you down to your office. They're not going to get you fired. It's it's not the consequences of failure are so much lighter than we think they are. And certainly, you know, if, if all you ever achieved was failure, then you might lose your job. But if you never do anything because you're terrified of failure, you're guess what? You might lose your job. <laughs> yeah. The only way you fail is if you stop trying, right? Failure is not um, a momentary thing. It, it, like you said, if somebody says no to you, fine, move on. You've got other opportunities. But if you don't even try, that's the ultimate failure. Absolutely. And what what really does help, and this is where I see, honestly, some of um, some of the most high-performing salespeople, is when they had a period of time in their career where they did get a lot of no's, whether it was because maybe they started out and they were doing a lot of cold calling, and you develop a, just a bit of a thick right. skin. And that can be really helpful. And so if you are protecting yourself to the level that you've never really gotten a lot of no's, mm -hmm. You might just need to say, you know what, I'm going to set myself up and I'm going to have the expectation that I'm going to get a lot of no's and I'm going to have a lot of mini failures, but it's because I'm doing more. It's because I'm at a higher level of activity and it's only get through getting through that period of time that you're going to get to the place where maybe, you know, the number of no's goes down uh, because you've, you know, improved your relationships, improved your network, improved your right. skill. Um but, but sometimes you do have to go through those seasons of yeah. difficulty, but it's okay if you're That's exactly out. right. You can't learn from anywhere but the bottom, right? If you're successful, you just keep doing it over and over again, but at some point it stops working and then you don't have the skill set to grow um, without getting a few no's and struggling. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Something that I know you talk about um, is the idea of overextending strengths. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a concept that some people might have heard before if you've done any sort of a study into, um, into these topics. But it might be new to some of our listeners who are thinking strengths are strengths. That doesn't really make sense. So I'd love if you could explain that concept because I think um, for me, that was a really significant discovery when I first, um, when right, I first learned right. this concept. So if you think, let's, let's take opposite ends of the spectrum. Let's say there is someone out there who has a really competitive spirit. Okay. We're going to, we're going to put competitive mm -hmm. spirit all the way on the right-hand side of the spectrum. And then you have um, the opposite end of the spectrum, which is extremely compliant. All right. So you're able to, you know, uh, bend and be able to be accommodating. All right. So those are two ends of the spectrum, extraordinarily competitive, extraordinarily compliant. Now, if you've got someone in the middle who can be very, they can be competitive, but they also have attributes of being compliant. You're, you're in a really good spot. The further someone moves towards that strength of competitive, the farther away they move from compliant. 
And that might not, that might sound good to somebody. Like, of course, I want to be competitive. I don't want to be compliant. But if you get too competitive, you're actually you're actually out of balance, and you're you're in an area that will not be that won't connect you or help you influence someone because you're overextending that particular skill. Does that make sense, Elizabeth? Absolutely, yeah. it does. Um, and it's just something that I think is important, even just within the context of what we've been talking about here, is because we can all picture somebody who's overextending mm-hmm. a skill, and that might actually be what's holding you back. You might be thinking, the only people that I see who are competitive are overly competitive and obnoxious, and I don't want to be like that, so I'm not going to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Not understanding that that's maybe an overextension of what is actually a really good skill of competition. Exactly. Or you might see that you have something that you perceive as a skill, but in some situations it works and in some situations it doesn't. And you haven't been able to figure out why that is. And it might be that in some situations you're actually overextending that skill and you're actually turning it from what would be a, a really natural strength into a potential weakness. That's exactly right. So it's a, it's a really important content. To, um, yeah. to understand. And you can take so many characteristics and put it on a spectrum like that. And if you start analyzing, you know, where you fall um, and you, you have to be situational, right? Because sometimes it calls for you being a little bit more compliant or a little bit more competitive. But if you're stuck in one area or the other, that's when you're not able to um, to be your best self. It all comes down to awareness. Once again, that this is the definition for me of managing your mind is being aware of how you show up in the world and how your mind, like, what are you thinking that you need to be extraordinarily competitive or over, over compliant, um, and inspecting why you're, you believe that and then making adjustments because you have to become aware before you can really become in tune with where you need to be. Definitely. In general, that just concept of self-awareness mm-hmm. is so incredibly important. And so often, um, again, back to back to something I was bringing up earlier, we were kind of subconsciously just acting and not really thinking about right. why is it that I'm doing what right. I'm doing. Um, and, and so often, like you said, it could just be I had blocked out this time for cold calling whatever, whatever I called it on the calendar, if I called it something more positive that hopefully would have enticed me to do it, or maybe I did just put cold calling, but regardless, I blocked out the time on my calendar and I'm not doing it. I I'm deciding in the moment. It could even be, you know, I, I said I'd go to the gym and it's the time to go to the gym and I am not physically going to the gym. And instead of just sitting there and, and attacking yourself, blaming yourself, saying I'm a terrible person. I never, I never go to the gym. I never cold call. I never, whatever it is. Just analyze what? why is it that I'm not doing the thing that I said I would do? You know, did I, did my past self make a commitment that my present self is not capable of making? Why is that? Um, do I consistently set goals that are maybe not achievable? Um, do I not prepare properly? And maybe I really can't cold call because I don't have a list of people to cold call and I should not block out time on my calendar to cold call unless I have a list of people to cold call. <laughs> um, thinking about, you know, are there actual situations, are there facts that are preventing you from doing what you're doing? Or is it just a, a mindset that you're in that's preventing you? And either one, then developing a plan to address it. Beautiful. Well said. Well said. It's always, it comes down to where, what's motivating your decision? 
you know, also it's one of those things where like you, okay. So you're not feeling well, right? Elizabeth, if you had the the gym in your schedule today and you said, I'm not going to the gym today, I, I just don't feel well enough. And I don't want to expose people to my germs or be looked at like I'm typhoid Mary. (laughs) You got to like the decision you make feel proud of the decision you make and know that you're making it from a logical place. If you, if you had the gym in your calendar and you were feeling healthy and you just said, I don't feel like it. I just, I just feel like snuggling into the couch and watching Netflix and said, you know, you really, Maybe that's what you need too, but would you like the decision you're making? Is it a great, in the way I like to put it, is it a good short term um, Mm -hmm. gratification that you're getting? Or is it going to drive your long-term goals and results? And, you know, when you start reaching for the short-term gratification too often, you know you're in a bad place. Definitely. And it's really easy to see. And I think the common language that we discuss this in, in, um, in modern American society is typically related to health. Yes. And it's, it's exactly, you know, that cupcake seems really exactly. good right now. Um, and certainly you're not going to gain weight, like in the moment, you know, it's not like you're going to gain a pound by eating that cupcake right now, but is that going to contribute to that long-term achieving of the goal that you have? And, um, I think, uh, one of the, one of the basic principles of managing your mind, um, is, is understanding what, uh, impact do the short-term decisions that I'm making have on my Mm long-term success and, if you're just focused on the short term, you know, what feels good in the moment, um, you're really sacrificing significant That's success right. in the future. It's not just a little thing. It's, it's really, it's yeah, your you're life. Right. Yeah. And it comes down to the stress. I think uh, when we're talking about salespeople, it comes down to the stress of the profession. So interesting. The other day I was having a conversation with a VP of sales. She was at her, her kickoff with her people and she and the team were out you know, just sitting around a fire talking at the end of the day. And she just asked, you know, just casually, like how many people, and this might be incorrect, but she asked it, how many people drink on a daily basis? And eight out of nine people that were sitting around the circle said they did. And they, yeah, eight out of nine. And they had a really great conversation about why. And if you think about it, You know, when you're in a stress-filled environment all day long and you go home and you've got kids and family and and more stress to layer on top of it, it's almost like you're driven for that short-term gratification of being able to chill out with a drink, right? It's like, oh, I just needed it, right? And there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But when it's every night and more than one drink every night, which happens to a lot of us when we're Mm -hmm. under stress... What happens to your day the next day? Are you able to perform at the top of your game? You know, are you able to to be able to work towards those long-term goals? Or are you spending half of the day kind of shaking the cobwebs out and, and feeling a little bit, you know, sluggish? So there's like there's a million. Yeah. And then feeling right. stressed out at the end of exactly. that day because you were, you were performing below your potential level and it's a it vicious is. cycle. It is. So I just, I have a philosophy that your ultimate sales success or your ultimate sales potential rests on several pillars. And one of them is health and wellness. And are you treating your body the way it needs to be treated in order for you to be, to show up at the top of your game? Um, there's just, there's, you have to take a look at that. It, it rolls into success and you have to manage that part of your mind as well. 
Absolutely. Um, I think the the mind-body link is something that just continues to be proven out in so much research. Um, you know, and we don't all have to be top athletes, but making sure that you're you're doing the basic things, eating food that makes you feel good. Um, physically and and mentally, um, you know, staying active enough where you're you're doing some level of physical activity. Again, you don't have to run a marathon, <laughs> but um, I, I think we've all probably had a time where we just had maybe a super lazy weekend and oh, we ate a yeah. bunch of unhealthy food. And you think about how you feel on Monday morning when you did that versus you got up and about and um, you know and and you know did something and and ate some healthier food and just the the physical energy that you feel is is markedly different and you think about you know what kind of a what kind of an evening do i have that makes it so the next morning goes well and um you know one of those factors probably is not i drink until i pass out <laughs> because that's that's generally not going to drive the most uh successful sort of a day so really thinking about that and and being intentional i i love that focus awesome. and again all back to managing yeah, your mind it is it's fun and it's not it's it's not hard work but it is something you have to be intentional about right? Because, because of the Absolutely. fact that we are so busy as people, we tend to just run on autopilot. And, and that that's a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, one of the one of the thing that's really interesting about what it is that you're doing right now is that, as you mentioned in the intro, you're focused specifically on women <laughs> yeah. in sales. And I would imagine there's a reason for that. You didn't just randomly pick that. You, in fact, were intentional. Yeah. So can you tell me why it is that you're focused so much specifically on women in sales? I know you touched on it a yeah. bit earlier, but I'd like to really get I can. This. Um, you know, it's a personal choice for me. I have been in sales for over 20 years and it is, and I, I don't mean this to, in any disparaging way, but it is still a male dominated profession. There's the growth of women in sales has been better over the past four or five years. We're up to almost, I think the latest statistic I saw was about 40%. Women in sales leadership is still suffering. It's only at 17%. And as it goes higher up the, the V and C-suite chain, it gets lower and lower. So I just mm -hmm. believe, I believe that there is so much opportunity for women that's untapped at this moment. And they're my tribe. They're the people I know I can relate to them. I've walked in their shoes. There's nothing that I do that doesn't apply to a man. There's nothing. But I just really feel like uh, creating a community for women in sales is really critical. Uh, part of what I did at NAWSP and now what I'm doing in my own work at uh, Unstoppable Women in Sales Connect um, is a group of women that just are there for community. They're like, we want to network with each other and be able to understand, you know, what challenges we're facing and how we're overcoming them together. So I guess the only way I can say it, Elizabeth, is they're just my people. And I have a passion. I have a passion for helping, you know, the underdog in this situation and, um, and finding the gems out there to be able to be mentors and, and also um, role models. I, I absolutely love that. And um, it's it's really interesting because I think a lot of times people don't recognize, you know, we talk sometimes about the importance of representation and people might just be looking at representation in one way. And certainly we need to, we need to be addressing racial representation and representation of people from different yes. backgrounds. But what has been absolutely proven is 
people tend to nurture people like them. People tend to hire people mm. like them. People tend to develop people like them. People tend to mentor people mm -hmm. like them. And so if, if women want to see women be more successful when it comes to sales, um, it'll take people like you um, who have who have experience leading mm -hmm. in sales, have have ideas, have have knowledge and really intentionally share that with um, with people who are out there. So I'm, I'm really excited to learn about what it is that you do. And I hope all of our listeners that are that are women sales professionals that want to be unstoppable women in sales um, reach out to you and learn how they can connect, whether they're functioning as mentors or whether they are the ones who are receiving the mentorship and, um, and learning and growing. So it's a really exciting thing. Thank you doing. very much. I have a private Facebook group called Unstoppable Women in Sales Connect. Please have join me there if you are a woman in sales. I'd love to have you as part of the group. We're actually doing something right now um, that's fun, Elizabeth. We uh, have a 30-day challenge that just started yesterday. Um, and it's about creating your brand and really digging in and finding out what is unique about you. Um, and it's, it, we, I've got a four week process we're going to work through. And I know this is going to be airing a little bit down the road, but it would not be too late to hop in. So um, check it out. I, I think it's, uh, it's going to be fun. That sounds like it. Yeah. Um, it, we will include a link to that group um, if yeah. that's okay in the sure, notes for thank the you. show. Wonderful. All right. Um, looking at the clock, I think we probably need to start winding things down. So a question I always like to ask in the podcast is what are some books that you would recommend for our listeners? Oh my gosh, there are so many. Um, and maybe I can give those to you in the notes as well. But there's, there's one that is especially um, on my mind. We can, we can include those links um, in the show notes if you want to just send you. them on after. I know I love to read and I read a lot and names completely escape me. And so I'll know there was a great book that I read and I will have no idea who the author is, which is terrible because I want to credit the author. I agree. I agree. And I have I am a junkie for books. The one that, okay, one just came to my mind that I think is amazing is Atomic Habits. Have you read that one? I don't think so. That sounds interesting. Incredible book. And it's it's really about how you can create habits that make you successful and, and, it's, and how to break habits that are not serving you well. So it's kind of looks at both sides of the coin. And I apologize. I can't recall the author at the moment. He's awesome. That's okay. It's got a it's got a very distinct yeah. title, so we will track the author down and we'll include a link um, to the book in the show notes. Uh, definitely, uh, the more I study about um, about personal development and improving effectiveness, and even studies of happiness and life satisfaction, mm -hmm. so much goes down to our day to day habits and figuring out how to break some bad habits and how to establish good habits. Um, that is a it's a really great way to spend some of your time and focus because um, so many of the of the things that we do day to day are are based purely yes. on habits. We we live our life because of the habits that we've established, and so often we haven't established these habits intentionally. We're just kind of doing them. And so if if you can really think about. Um, you know, establishing habits intentionally to drive the success that you're looking to achieve. Uh, it's amazing the results. That you it is have. because people, especially salespeople, you can, you hear every day, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. 
And, and mm-hmm. yet if they really, if they inspected what they were busy doing, they'd find that there's some habits in there that need to be cleaned up so they can become more efficient. So it's, it's almost like a cause and effect thing is you, you can't fix the, the lagging indicator without taking care of the leading indicator, which is actually your habits. Huge. Absolutely. All right. Well, Susan, if you want people to learn more about you and your work, where should they go? So of course my website is unstoppablewomeninsales.com. And then I'm out there on Facebook. I'm LinkedIn, Susan Trumpler on LinkedIn. Um, You can find me almost anywhere. Just Google my name and I show up. It helps when you have, um, I, I think, a relatively unique yeah, name. Sure. So that that should make you a little bit easier for it people is. to find. All right. Well, I, I so much appreciated our conversation today. Thank you so much, Susan, for, for being on it the It was show. a pleasure, Elizabeth. Thank you and have a great day. Hope you feel better. Enjoy your birthday too. Thanks so much. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. You can find the notes and resources for everything that Susan and I have been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 236. Make sure to tune in on Friday for another inspirational episode. And I have an exciting announcement. Uh, I gave a presentation at the International Institute for Learning's Leadership and Innovation Online Conference, which is live from March 5th through June 7th. And you can use the code Frederick, my last name, F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K, and get $10 off your registration for the conference. So um, there are a ton of excellent speakers. My talk was on nurturing an innovative team. Um, Highly encourage our listeners to attend. Uh, If you're enjoying the podcast, please recommend this to a friend and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a rating or a review. That helps more people find the show, and it lets us know what's working and where we can improve. Remember to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ariana Miskel, Laura Marchoff, Mark Krogan, and me, Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!